So friends, officially, good morning. I hope you I hope you all had as good of a week as you possibly could. Uh, I, I gotta say that this week was 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 pretty cool. It was it was pretty fun to experience and to post all the different ways that you all are seeing Christ in the chaos. Uh, if, if you go on social media these days, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of contention about uh, different opinions people have about you know certain ways that we should be opening up or not opening up or. Uh, you know, sexual allegations against uh, presidential nominees. And, and there's just a lot of kind of unrest that you see in uh, on social media. But it's been really refreshing. It's been really, really refreshing to be able to see and to post all your beautiful uh, pictures uh, of, of, of flowers and of other nature. And we've had poems and uh, there's an essay that I'm going to put uh, out this week. There's still quite a few more that I have uh, saved up for for this week, and then we also had that video from from Mark and Laura, which was uh, especially cool. And 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 what's really neat is that we're doing this series. This is our series that we're talking about: Christ in the chaos. Where do we see Christ in the midst of not only the chaos of the situation that we're going through, but where do we see Christ in the midst of any chaos in our life? Uh, the chaos of pain and suffering, the chaos of the 24-hour news cycle, the chaos of, of storms and, and, and of sickness and, and, and all these different kinds of things. It's been really, really, really great to be able to use uh, and to see and to share that content that you have all provided for me. So thank you so much. And, and again, if you um, are just tracking with us for the first time, feel free to send some more stuff in. Any kind of creative outlet that you want to share with us and how you're seeing Christ in the chaos would be fantastic. If you could just do me a favor, hon, and just mute both of our singing mics, that's kind of causing a little bit of feedback, but that would be great. So today, we're going to continue our reflection together upon how we see Christ in the chaos. And today, we're going to look into one of my all-time favorite stories in, in the entirety of, of Scripture. There's, there's, there's quite a few stories that make it into probably, I'd say, like my top five that I really love. But this one may even creep into like the top three, if not the top two, of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And in fact, today's story that we're going to read, it was actually last week's if we were following the lectionary during this season. We, we, we are a church who follows the, the historic lectionary quite often. And if we were, we would have, you would have noticed this would have been last week's story. This is the story of the two of Jesus' disciples on their journey away from the holy city of Jerusalem and back to their hometown, the small village of Emmaus. We're going to dig into the story this morning through a practice that's known as imaginative prayer. We've done this, uh, you know, a couple different times, you know, in the last number of years. But this story of, um, I mean, this practice of imaginative prayer is a practice that gives us an opportunity to enter more fully into that biblical story. Perhaps more fully than we would simply reading through it or hearing it aloud. Uh, imaginative prayer is a little similar to Lectio Divina. Uh, just quite, you know, it's, it just has a subtle difference and you maybe will know, but it allows us to, to taste and to touch and to smell and to see and to feel the intimacy of the stories that God has given to us in this grand narrative, this grand arc of redemptive love. There's, 
There's no right or wrong way to engage in this practice. Uh, this is your time to spend. The only right is that you simply sit in the presence of the Spirit. That you simply sit in the presence of the Divine this morning. And so as we begin, I want you to focus on your breath. Don't change it. Don't seek to control it. Don't engage in one of those practices of deep breathing or of box breathing. Just simply notice it. Just notice that breath that keeps you alive. Notice that breath that is coursing in and out of your lungs, in and out of your lungs without much help to do with you. Inhale all that is good. Inhale all that's bringing you joy this morning, this beautiful sunshine weekend if you're joining us from New Hampshire. And then just ex exhale all that distracts, all that, that brings you down. Exhale all that's not of God, all that is of the accuser, and just let that go this morning. And so breathe in and breathe out. Just take a moment just simply noticing your breath. Continue to breathe in and to breathe out. Let's begin. Gracious God, we know we not need summon you into our midst, for you are already here. We simply ask that you would allow us to notice your presence. Notice your spirit that is as close as the air that we breathe with whatever is going on in our lives, we bring our whole selves to you. We ask for your guidance. We ask that as we reflect on this story that is often called the road to Emmaus, that we would do so with new eyes, new ears, new hearts, and a new soul. Spirit, allow us to open up our imagination so that we may see ourselves in your grand narrative of redemptive love. That we would see ourselves this morning at the table, in communion with you, and also recognize Christ in the breaking of the bread. Please speak, Lord, for your sons and daughters are listening. And so continue to breathe. And continue to be present in this very moment. If you notice yourself starting to become distracted, just try to focus back in on my voice, on the story that we're telling. It's been a very long and strange week. Think back to our Redeeming Holy Week project. It's a holy week that started with shouts of Hosanna, songs of praise and of temple tables being flipped. A long and strange week that culminated in a bizarre exchange of words in an upper room. A Messiah breaking bread and calling it his body, passing a cup and calling it his blood. Sweat like drops of blood in a garden leading to that same Messiah being arrested, dragged through unjust court proceedings and eventually killed by his people's oppressors. A couple weeks ago, 
these two disciples of Jesus would never have seen this coming. Husband and wife, Cleopas and Mary, in the holy city of Jerusalem with all the reason in the world to celebrate, but now we're leaving, their heads hanging and heading back home to Emmaus. Because let's be honest, what's the point? Perhaps these two disciples were thinking, we gave up the last three years of our lives to follow this Messiah from Nazareth, and now he's dead. What are our family and friends back home going to say? I told you so? Probably. Uh, Oh, well, at least it's better to go back home than staying here with the others in Jerusalem, hiding out behind locked doors, just waiting to die. Cleopas and Mary, two disciples, two followers of Jesus, so excited about him. But now, all they have is this dusty road, this awful, dreadful seven-mile walk back towards their former hometown. Perhaps a walk that many of us have endured at some point. A walk away from something we once thought we knew. A walk away from our hopes and our dreams. A walk that forced us to look reality right in the face and simply question everything we once thought. Can you picture yourself on this walk? Can you picture yourself on this dusty road towards the town of Emmaus? Can you see yourself walking alongside Cleopas and Mary? Their hopes and dreams shattered by a perceived reality. Your hopes and dreams shattered by a perceived reality. What are the emotions running through your mind as we enter this scene? Can you begin to feel the soreness form in your legs as this journey goes on? Are your feet getting a bit tired? I mean, seven miles is kind of long for most of us. Perhaps you feel a bitter resentment towards Jesus, like, how could he do this to us? How could Jesus let us down so hard? Or perhaps you can sense the pain and the sorrow of losing a good friend. Are you beginning to get thirsty, hungry, sick of walking? Are you starting to feel confused or feeling the anxiety of the conversation that Cleopas and Mary are having? (laughs) While they were talking with each other, about all these things that had happened the last couple days. Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? These two disciples stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? 
And Jesus asked him, what things? And the disciples replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. So let's just pause for a moment and just notice this apparent stranger coming alongside these two disciples. Just pause and notice the conversation the stranger is having with them. Maybe Mary and Cleopas, maybe you are beginning to get annoyed with this stranger. Like, who is he to just butt into our conversation? This is a private conversation. We're grieving something here. Or perhaps you're feeling relief. Like it's someone else to talk to. Or like Mary and Cleopas, you're feeling confused. Like, how did this stranger suddenly come upon us? And has he been hiding under a rock? I mean, come on, everyone walking this Emmaus road knows the story of the things that have happened the last few days. And as you are contemplating these questions, as you're navigating these feelings, as you're navigating this confusion, suddenly the stranger speaks and tells you, oh, you fools, you foolish ones. How slow you are to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures, though they still didn't know that he was talking about himself. Imagine walking and talking with Jesus on this dry and dusty road to Emmaus, alongside this bruised and battered couple, Cleopas and Mary, their minds beginning to open to the scripture, your minds beginning to open to the scripture, imaginations opening to new possibilities hearts burning within them, hearts burning within yourself, just not yet putting the pieces together. And as they came near the village to which they were going, as they came near to the town of Emmaus, Jesus walked ahead as if he was going on. But the couple urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. It's almost evening, and the day is nearly over. So the stranger went in to stay with them. What a walk. 
What a long seven emotional miles of walking and talking. Imaginations and revelations swelling up within their hearts, within your own heart. It can't possibly be over, can it? I don't want this conversation to end. Please, stranger, come inside. Stay with us. Please eat with us and we can talk some more. We can continue this conversation. It's been a long day. It's been a long journey for us all. Go wash yourself up. Get some rest, stranger. We'll start making food. We'll call you down from your room when it's ready. And so when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed the bread, he broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were open and they recognized him and Jesus vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening up the scriptures to us? Can you picture these two disciples at the table with Jesus? Like, uh, was that really him? Uh, Mary, was that our friend? Did we just eat a meal with Jesus? But, I mean, I mean, come on, we saw him die. I mean, what is going on here? People don't just become undead, can they? Wait a minute, though. He did raise Lazarus. Did he also raise himself? Wait, Jesus, is, is that really you? But now where are you? You just left. You know what, though, Mary? This was him, wasn't it? Yes, it definitely was him. I can see it now. We can see it. The bread, the blessing, the breaking, the giving, all of it. It's so familiar. Our hearts have been burning this whole time. The scriptures, all of our ancient scriptures, the communion, the fellowship, the food. We got to do something. We got to tell the others. It's been a long day. I don't care. It's dark. We already walked that seven miles once today, but we got to go. So that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon like he said. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them himself in the breaking of the bread. So just take a moment now and simply notice Jesus in the breaking of the bread. See Jesus in that cup that overflows. See Christ in the chaos through the breaking of the bread. Jesus invites us. Jesus is inviting you to his table to feast on his presence alongside with these two disciples. Jesus invites us into the sacred practice of communion in community with himself and with each other. 
our brothers and sisters from around the world, the saints, the angels, and the whole company of heaven. Jesus is inviting us. Jesus is inviting you this morning to simply slow down in the midst of a chaotic week, to take a deep breath and to still your soul. Can you see it? Can you see God's love for us dripping with the blessings of grace? Can you see our God drawing near to his children, near to our cries in the chaos? Our cries of doubt and brokenness, our cries of pain and suffering, body broken and given for you and me. Blood poured out for you and for me. With arms around our shoulder, holding us up at times, the times when we are weary, breaking bread around the table, holding the cups to our lips, if need be, saying, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, recognize me in the breaking of the bread. Jesus says, see me in the midst of the chaos. Heavenly Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, allow us to notice you in the chaos, to notice you in every single part of our lives the good, the bad, and the ugly. Allow us to recognize you in the breaking of the bread upon our tables and in the breaking of the bread upon your table, the table we have been perpetually invited to, even as we pray together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses just as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. My friends and all God's people say, Amen.